0: All righty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for Friday, the 18th of March, 2022. Happy Friday, glorious, glorious, sweet, nourishing Friday. Welcome to it. I uh, I personally love Fridays because that's when I really get to go off. That's when I get to sit there and do the curse program. It's it's just fun. I don't know. If you never listen to it, you're missing out. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Appreciate the support. All one word. Patreon. Well, Patreon.com slash and then Derek Hunter Podcast is all one word. Uh, thanks to everybody for their notes about the girls. They're doing okay. Bailey was whining today about her she was I looked over her she's crying I'm like what's what's wrong she said her tummy hurts but she was very tired said her tummy hurts and she asked me to rub her tummy so I was rubbing her tummy and I said where does it hurt and she was like half asleep going I don't know I don't know and then uh, so I called her mom her mom comes in and uh said so maybe she'll tell mommy where her tummy hurts And she goes, she's just sad. I'm just sad that Mr. Goldfish is dead. Every once in a while, I don't know how or why, she's reminded of a goldfish that we had that died six months ago. And when she thinks about it and she's tired, she gets upset. She's the sweetest thing. She gets upset about it. And so I I pulled out my phone and I pulled up YouTube and you can find, believe it or not, video footage of goldfish. It was a big goldfish, it a large goldfish. It looked like it had tumors all over it, but it was actually just that kind of way. I don't know what kind of goldfish it was. Uh, but um, she watches that, and we, we sit there and go, ooh, wow, look at that. Oh, wow, look at so!" And then she gets distracted. That Mr. Goldfish is gone. And uh, starts smiling and laughing again. But I don't know. That was my day. I don't know how your day was. But uh, that was a pretty satisfying day. So anyway, go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Five bucks a month. That's what you support. Belly rubbing and goldfish videos. And you get entertained and a chance to win autographed books and uh, get insights into my life and uh, pictures of the family and stuff like that. And I appreciate each and every person who supports me there. So thanks for that. Ah, Good Lord. It's Friday. Let's start this show. Anyway, we got a lot of stuff going on, Uh, lots of things to talk about, a lot of insanity out there. If you're feeling unsafe today, and if you really want an example of racism in the United States of America these days, uh, we have a shining example of it. And white privilege, perfectly honest with you, um, that in a country, in the United States of America... You can attack a gay black man and serve virtually no time for it. What kind of country are we living in, ladies and gentlemen, when somebody who orchestrates a violent assault, a homophobic assault on a gay black man can spend less than a week in prison and they're out scot-free? How absurd is this? I'm speaking of course of Jussie Smollett, he was ordered released from prison last night after serving less than a week of a five-month sentence. And you sit there and you wonder why people think that this is a uh, the judicial system is a joke. All these leftists go, we need uh, justice reform, we need criminal justice reform. No, no, we need some truth in sentencing. You punish people. It's like saying, you know, we caught you uh, doing something gross or. Dirty or illegal or whatever, setting fire to the uh the dog in the backyard, you're grounded for a week, and then an hour later you look at the kid, oh, okay, go ahead, What did you teach the kid that you know what you can set the dog on fire, and not that big of a deal. Daily Wire has the story convicted felon Jesse Smollett was ordered to be released from jail on Wednesday pending appeal of his 150-day sentence that went into effect last week for staging a hate crime hoax against himself and lying to law enforcement about it. Quote, the one-page order issued by the Illinois Appellate Court on Wednesday afternoon stated that Smollett was to be released from the Cook County Jail after signing a $150,000 reconnaissance bond, which would not require him to post any money the Chicago Tribune reported. The only explanation offered in the order was that Smollett has never been convicted of a violent offense and would have completed his sentence of incarceration well before his appeal is decided. (laughs) That's nice. Isn't that nice? The judicial system is so clogged with criminals in uh, Chicago And in Illinois, and most of those criminals are governors and former governors and politicians in general in the state of Illinois, that they would have delayed his appeal to the point that it would have lasted longer than 150 days. Well, isn't clearing someone's name the reason and rationale for these sorts of actions? Don't people appeal long after they've been served their sentence? They get out and say, but I'm going to clear my name. I'm going to clear my, is Jesse Smollett interested in clearing his name? No, he's not. He's interested in not spending five months in jail because he is not suicidal. He's not suicidal, but he hates gay black men. And so he, he uh, launches attacks. He, he's even worse. He's the mastermind behind an attack, a violent attack on a gay black man. He didn't even partake in it. He never once hit the gay black man. He paid other people to do it. His violence is by proxy. His hatred, his homophobia is by proxy. This monster out roaming the streets. What in the hell is wrong with society? My God. Smollett was sentenced on Thursday of last week to 150 days in jail, followed by 30 months of probation and ordered to pay $120,000 in restitution and $25,000 in fines during his sentencing. Now, isn't that nice? The the guy is a proven fraud. The people he conspired with admit that he conspired with them. Moreover, he paid him with a check. He he couldn't even go to an ATM or really, kids, if you're planning a fake hate crime hoax against yourself and you're going to pay somebody three grand to beat you up, uh, you probably want to go over the course of a period of time to several different ATMs because... If you just go to one ATM and get all the money out and then uh, they say they paid us, he paid us $3,000 and here's the $3,000 brick. And and then they, or they say we spent the money, but he got it yesterday and you go to your uh, ATM records and say, well, it's weird. You just withdrew $3,000 yesterday. What'd you do with that? I mean, I suppose you could say "I, I blew it on massages and cocaine. He's a Hollywood actor. That would be perfectly believable, socially acceptable. Probably would have helped his career a hell of a lot more than having two Nigerian brothers beat the crap out of him and uh, put a noose around his neck. But hey, what do I know? Yeah, hey, Jussie, or any other Hollywood leftist losers out there looking to find a way to uh, get some publicity, call me. I'll hook you up. I'll charge you a lot less than it costs to get beaten up it'll be much more effective because it will be legal and uh, yeah you don't have to you can declare it on your taxes as a legitimate business expense rather than finding some way to like how do you write off this home depot receipt for maga hats how do you how do you, how do you get your accountant to classify that i just love this oh you got to let him out he's got to go He's got to go, we need criminal justice reform. Too many people are in prison for far too long. Far too long. They're criminals, aren't they? Are they not convicted? Jussie is convicted, all right? He's not sentenced to life in prison. He's not sentenced to hard labor. He was realistically only going to spend about a month in jail anyway, and then he was going to get it released because of COVID or because of, good behavior provided he does good behavior although he'll get special privilege treatment because he's used to be a celebrity so he was not going to do five months in jail but now we know that you can go out and beat up a gay black man for political reasons and uh, get away with it what a world we live in what this is biden's america ladies and gentlemen joe biden's america it's really hard. so i want to show you the social justice warrior mindset there is a meme going around the internet right now of all of the women from the marvel movies or at least nine of the, i guess nine of the women i don't know if that's all of them or not nine of the women from marvel movies and since it was International Women's Day, and I don't, it might be Women's Month or something. I can't keep track of this garbage, and I don't, don't honestly care. But I get a kick out of it. That this has been going around, and it says, uh, "Don't you ever say that we're the weaker gender?" And there's a picture of uh, Scarlett Johansson playing the Black Widow. There's uh, what's her face playing Agent Carter, Gamora, all of the, you know, the Scarlet Witch. Captain Marvel, Ant Antler, Wasp, the Wasp, all, of, all the Marvel characters that you've ever seen in all these movies, and you're like, okay, uh, they're all fictional characters, right? Don't you ever tell me that we're the weaker gender. I will never say that you're the weaker gender to, physically weaker gender to women with superpowers or women who are half android, right? I swear, I won't. Uh, the rest of you, including these nine fictional characters or the women who play these nine fictional characters, would lose a race to a dude in a pool or a weightlifting contest. No matter how superpowered they are, once they start the, uh, the special effects at the uh, Skywalker Ranch, reality sets in. Now, how sad, it like woman of the year yesterday was, or one of the women of the year was Rachel Levine, Richard Levine, who is trans. And I first, I saw my first photograph of Richard Levine before he transitioned. Probably the only instance I've ever seen where somebody gets mildly more attractive. He's an ugly dude. He's an ugly dude. I could see why he'd go, you know what? I'd be better looking as a woman. Yeah, I could see that. Not bad, much better looking, but at some point there is nowhere to go but up. Am I right? All right. So you got uh, men winning women of the year. Caitlyn Jenner drops the Bruce, drops the uh, excess baggage, if you will, uh, the, the the sack that he'd been carrying over his shoulder. Well, I don't know. Never mind. Perhaps I don't. Know. But anyway, immediately named Sportswoman of the Year. Hadn't been in sports since what? Battle of the Network stars in 1980, but somehow Bruce Jenner becomes Caitlin and it's Sports Woman of the Year immediately. And then you go, oh, look at these strong women. Each one of these female characters, by the way, created by a man. The movies in which they uh, came to prominence, written by men. There are a lot of really strong, smart brilliant successful women out there in reality not just you know in the makeup chair getting green paint applied to them or prosthetics to make them look like a half robot there are in real life are a lot of really strong women a good percentage of them the ones that actually accomplish things are conservative women and the left cannot or will not celebrate them in any way shape or form So they have to run with the fictional characters. What's her face? The governor of Georgia, Stacey Abrams, appeared on an episode of Star Trek on the new streaming service. She played President of Earth. Why? Because Hollywood is nothing but nonstop propaganda for the Democratic Party. Period. End of story. It is interesting, though, that in the future, when you can shoot somebody and take out a little tricorder laser thing and uh, seal them up and fix them immediately, they still have an advanced dentistry to the point that they can get rid of that giant gap between her front teeth. She's like Michael Strahan with more testosterone. Is that rude? Probably. I don't care. This is the United States of America. You're supposed to be able to say things, jokingly or otherwise, that uh, <sighs> do or do not offend people. But you're not allowed to do that anymore. You can't do that anymore. It's so sad that uh, this is what the world has become. This is where the world is. John Cleese, actor. I'm giving away a signed copy of his book from my, on my podcast. Uh, is catching hell because he refuses to apologize for jokes. I mean, why, the, Monty Python? Half of the every comedian you've heard of that's worth a damn has said and told offensive jokes. That's part of what makes them cutting edge. Offensive, you know, just could just be offensive because of the language. It's a hallmark of the United States of America, the Constitution of the United States, our freedom. To offend? We're being robbed of that. <laughs> Rebel News has this story: British comedian John Cleese, best known for his work in Faulty Towers and Monty Python, is doubling down on his right to tell jokes amid efforts to cancel him about a joke about over a joke about slavery at the South by Southwest festival over the weekend. Cleese defended his jokes and told mainstream news publications to grow, quote, a sense of humor. Quote, next time the editor of the Hollywood Reporter sends someone to review a comedy festival, he would do well to send a reporter with a sense of humor, said the veteran comedian in a tweet. Otherwise, it's like sending someone tone deaf to review a concert. Please said doubling down on his right to make light of sensitive subjects. Some might even call him ableist for daring to suggest that deaf people aren't able to hear. During his appearance at John Cleese in Conversation at South by Southwest, the comedian made several jokes now considered cancelable offenses by the woke brigade, including one about the British, about how the British are due reparations by Italy in reference to the Roman conquest of Britain. Please offended attending journalists when he responded to fellow comedian Dolce Sloan, who is black, when she made a joke about colonization. He suggested that she was given, quote, free passage. The comedian suggested that people tend to, quote, forget the British Empire was the basic political unit of organization for 6,000 years. The British didn't start colonizing. We, uh, quote, quote, we know, but y'all did it so well, Sloan replied. It's the reason I'm here. I'm not supposed to be here. Cleese quipped, we gave you free passage, too. While the crowd was briefly taken aback by the joke, no one really minded apart from the entertainment reporter, who complained that Cleese was now, quote, apparently getting quite sincere when he elaborated on his political views. These people are insane. It's a damn joke. They have no sense. If you ever wonder why the left is so miserable, it's because they have zero sense of humor. They have zero sense of humor. They cannot take a joke. They cannot make a joke. This weekend, when you have some time, you you won't need more than five or ten minutes because you won't be able to get through the whole thing. Go to Netflix and pick any non-Dave Chappelle, non-Bill Burr, Comic, special comedy special, and just play it for five or ten minutes. Uh, The less you've heard of the person, the better off it will be. Unless it's someone like Amy Schumer, who's just wildly unfunny. The only reason Amy, remember, for there's always this. Oh, this is this is the female comic. We gotta make this is the female comic. The left always does this. Amy Schumer could do no wrong. Oh, she just does nothing but comedy gold constantly. And you, so you watch a special from her, and you go, this isn't. This isn't funny. This isn't funny. There are plenty of funny women out there. I used to find, I don't know if I haven't seen her stuff in a long time, but Whitney Cummings was very funny. Uh, But Amy Schumer seems to have gone to, there's a specific school of comedy for women out there that uh, if if they're gross, if they're dirty, if they're nasty, that's supposed to be the joke. It's much easier than writing jokes. You just go out on stage and speak in very sexually explicit terms, and the audience kind of goes, oh, I can't believe she said that. There's a difference between that's funny and I can't believe they said that. There's a huge difference. One is funny, and the other one is more for shock value. There's room for both in comedy, but real good comedians can play in both fields. Amy Schumer can't. She's just not funny. So she plays in the go for shock value thing. John Cleese is damn funny. He goes in both fields easily, easily. Cleese then responded to the upset reporter saying, quote, history uh, history is a history of crime it's a history of people who were stronger beating up people who were weaker and it's always been that it's deeply deeply distasteful but to present uh, to pretend that one lot were worse than another you do know the british have been slaves twice right (laughs) see that's the thing the left is constantly going oh slavery it's the worst thing Evil whitey, the United—they act as though the United States is the only place slavery ever existed, uh, and they complain nonstop about about it. It's horrible. It's awful. What did the United States do? There's oppressed people. Four hundred years—the four hundred years of oppression in this country—said the millionaire actor. Yeah, if only we were all so oppressed. Four hundred years of oppression. The mar- its a great marketing gimmick. I guess there are a lot of stupid people it works on. But uh, they never go into where slavery started. They never go into who actually handled the slavery inside of Africa. See, because Whitey went to Africa a long time ago. And what did they find there? They found slavery. Guess where slavery originated? North Africa. That's right. That's right. At least as far as we know in recorded history. Slavery originated in North Africa. If you really want to sit around and whine and complain about something that happened to people who were generally from the relatively same-ish region as your family may well have come from at some point in the last 5,000 years, then everybody can grouse about it. Everybody can claim victim status, but more importantly, everybody actually can claim victim status if you really want to be a pathetic loser who looks backwards and lives retroactively through the suffering of others. Most people would look at it and go, yeah, you know, my ancestors went through some absolute hell, but uh, they did. I'm standing on their shoulders. I have a better life than they ever could have imagined because of the hell they went through. And it doesn't matter what hell they went through. That's a true statement. (laughs) Even royalty 500 years ago would cut their finger in a field and go, oh, that's not good. And they'd get an infection and die. We're all living so much better just because they happen. some people happen to have more easy access to meals than others doesn't mean anything they're all still filthy people who died young life was cheap you could stab and murder some it didn't matter life was cheap back then we have all advanced and we wouldn't be here were they not there you want to grouse about it everybody has been a slave every type of person every configuration of human being but it is inconvenient wildly for the left to acknowledge that fact so they don't they just ignore it completely because they are evil and into manipulation not at all into truth telling not at all into reality not at all into truth not about justice everybody remembers george floyd oh george floyd saint george floyd hallowed be thy name i suppose you have to bow your head as you talk about the uh the wonderful father that was, you know, a drug addicted criminal. But he died horribly and he died unnecessarily. He might have gotten his life together. We'll never know. The cops who were responsible for his death are facing justice for that. But have you ever heard of Edward Bronstein? I bet you haven't heard of Edward Bronstein. I didn't hear of Edward Bronstein until today. Who, pray tell, is Edward Bronstein. Well, the American media, being as awful as it is, of course, you have to go overseas to the UK media to find out about a guy who was killed by police in California because his name was Edward Bronstein. He wasn't killed because his name was Edward Bronstein. The American media has ignored his death because his name was Edward Bronstein. UK Daily Mail, a California father's harrowing final moments have emerged in uh, harrowing police footage. You shouldn't use the word harrowing twice in one sentence. Uh, Footage showing him scream, I can't breathe, while dying as he was held face down on the ground so cops could extract a blood sample. Edward Bronstein, 38, died, and this is important, on March 31st, 2020. That means that he's been dead almost a year, two weeks shy of a year, and you've never heard his name before. I've never heard his name before because his name was Edward Bronstein. If his name were something else, he looks like an Edward Bronstein. Then uh, less than two months before, or uh, less than two months before George. This is two years. Less than two months before George Floyd was killed by police in Minneapolis after an altercation during his arrest on suspicion of driving under the influence, he was pulled over for a DUI, but taken to a police station after refusing to give a blood sample, which his family says was due to his fear of needles. Bronstein began wailing with fear after being pinned to the ground face down shortly afterwards and died shortly afterwards. Good Lord, whoever wrote this is a terrible writer. With efforts to revive him proving unsuccessful, the California Highway Patrol had fought to keep the tape from going public after the man's family sued over excessive use of force and civil rights violations, but a federal court Judge ordered it released on Tuesday. An 18-minute video of the arrest taken by California Highway Patrol Sergeant in Pasadena shows a handcuffed Bronstein, father of two daughters, arguing with police as they lead him to a mat on the floor in the Altadena Station garage forcing him to his knees to take a blood sample he'd refused to give. Now, it's my understanding that if you refuse to take a blood sample, you refuse to take a breathalyzer, you're automatically assumed to be drunk. Why do you then have to forcibly do this? He initially argues, but begins screaming with fear after being flung to the ground face down. Quote, I'll do it willingly, Bronstein can be heard saying, as two officers hover over him and a man can be heard warning him not to resist taking a court-ordered blood sample to determine his intoxication level. Quote, You can just provide it and still say you don't consent, the officer tells him as he continues to protest the treatment. You're the one bringing the fight, not us. The guy with his hands handcuffed behind his back, face down with somebody on his back, said, Now, again, his name was inconvenience. Edward Bronstein. He's not black. He's not Hispanic. He's not trans. He's not any one of those favored groups amongst Democrats. He died pretty much the same way that George Floyd died two months before George Floyd died. And have you ever heard of him? No, you haven't. Does his life matter? Apparently it doesn't. Lives only matter to the extent that they can be used by Democrats to advance a political agenda. Period. Full stop. You probably won't hear the name Edward Bronstein again. The American media doesn't bother covering it. The UK Daily Mail may sort of shame some of them into covering it a little bit. There will be a civil case. I highly doubt there'll be a uh, criminal case case against police i just doubt it and so uh, there's no real reason to cover it and just point out that uh killed before george floyd two months earlier than george floyd and uh george floyd's derek chauvin the killer of george floyd has already been tried and and convicted and sentenced to prison and you just now heard of edward bronstein just now heard they just now got the video out there's not another video is disturbing you can you can find the video on the uk daily mail's website but i don't believe there are any murals painted on the wall i don't believe there are any uh memorials al sharpton did not attend i assume that edward bronstein had one funeral somehow george floyd had three Al Sharpton, I think, went to at least two of them. They were all kind of on the same day. It was like a, like Phil Collins at Live Aid when he played in London and in Philadelphia. He was hopping around on the Concord so Al Sharpton could attend both funerals or all through, as many funerals as possible. Barack Obama was not dispatched to attend a funeral. Joe Biden did not come down and pay his respects. As far as I can tell, Edward Bronstein's family, his two children that presumably he actually uh, was involved in raising since he wasn't an active junkie living thousands of miles away from his children. Uh, presumably they uh, they knew their father. Their father was involved in their, their childhood. Uh, they didn't receive a phone call from Joe Biden. They didn't receive a visit from Joe Biden. There are no Instagram accounts of how this Democrat luminary or that Democrat luminary went and visited the Bronstein family. I don't even know if Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has bothered to weigh in on this. He's probably was fighting hard behind the scenes to make sure that nobody ever found out about Edward Bronstein. See, um, not all lives matter. In fact, most lives don't matter they say oh black lives matter no the democrats don't believe black lives matter only certain black lives matter the lives of people murdered in baltimore in chicago philadelphia no black lives taken by black people don't matter they don't matter at all they don't give a damn that's 99.9 percent of well 99 percent of the uh, black lives lost probably closer to 95 percent, but you get the point They care about lives, black lives, if they're taken in a very specific way that can help the Democrats' agenda. That very specific way is by law enforcement that accounts for maybe a dozen a year. Maybe a dozen a year. (laughs) That's it. Well, actually, it's more than that because Democrats don't mind if somebody's trying to kill a cop while they're killed. They're still a hero. It's how sick and sad they are. Really, how sick and sad our society is, thanks to them. So, yes, remember the name Edward Bronstein. You may never hear it again, but uh, Black Lives Matter, right? We have other things to talk about, other things to uh, get to, and we're going to get to them right now. The Ukraine situation is obviously still going on. I want to play you a clip of Ginger Goebbels here, Jen Psaki. It's amazing. Yesterday, Joe Biden was asked whether or not... And this is what's wrong with this administration, with this president, is they say, well, we don't want to escalate things. We don't want to escalate things. And then the idiot president escalates things verbally. Like If you're going to escalate things verbally, you might as well escalate things with the military support. And yes, we're sending more weapons to ukraine provided we can get them in there but we still won't send them the planes i i understand the rationale for not sending them the planes i support the rationale for not sending them the planes it makes sense but our idiot president can't help himself the audio is bad so i didn't get the audio of joe biden yesterday asked after an event whether or not Putin, Vladimir Putin was a war criminal oh yeah no he's a war criminal he's a war criminal okay well war criminal calling somebody a war criminal you you think well it's just some senile old guy talking out of uh, his rear end and in many ways it is it's Joe Biden talking out of his rear end but there are ramifications for the words coming out of the President of the United States' mouth, no matter how senile any President of the United States happens to be. The term war criminal is a term of law, not that you have to worry about Putin suing Joe Biden in a civil case, but the being a war criminal carries with it certain punishments that would essentially mean that... Vladimir Putin will never be able to leave Russia again, provided he doesn't lose power in Russia. That if he does, well, I guess he could go to Beijing. But if he does, he would be subject to arrest and trial at The Hague and uh, if he's already a convicted, if he's already a declared war criminal. The uh, punishment for the level of war crimes that Joe Biden is essentially accusing Vladimir Putin of is death. Now, Does Vladimir Putin deserve death? Yes, of course he does. Is that going to go, is declaring that, is stating that going to go a long way toward bringing about peace in Ukraine? Not so much. Not so much at all. It's just wildly stupid, especially when what you're looking for here, and there's a lot of speculation that Russia is, you know, on the verge of collapsing in ukraine which would lead them to some sort of desperate measure to save face you know chemical biological even tactical battlefield nuclear weapons which would which would be a testament to the weakness of the russian military if they had to resort to those sorts of things you'd think that they could take ukraine with conventional means only but realistically what is in my mind happening and i hope there are some adults in the room who know better than i do this is right now i think vladimir putin is recognizing unless he's really lost it personally now he's not ever going to admit this publicly but behind the scenes what presidents what leaders admit to themselves and to their inner circle is always different than what they admit to the public uh i think that vladimir putin is probably looking for a, a way uh, he's recognizing he bit off more than he could chew Not that he won't go back for a second bite later on, but that the more that he can chew that he bit off is that his military simply wasn't prepared for this. He's been lied to by his people, and he needs to find a face-saving way to get out. A face-saving way. And you think, well, who cares? Just get out. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I agree with you in that sentiment there under rational, normal circumstances. If it's you and your friends go to a bar and uh, it's a biker bar where there's a whole bunch of people eyeballing you like they're going to stab you because what are you doing in their bar? You want to get out. And you just get up and get out. You don't worry about saving face. But we're not dealing with you and your buddies going to the wrong club on a Friday night. We're dealing with international relations. And there are a lot of things in international relations that to the average person don't make any sense. You want, you need to save face. Vladimir Putin's number one audience, not that they get a vote, but they could rise up against him is the Russian people, particularly the Russian oligarchs that keep him in power. If he starts losing favor with them, he has to up his desperation game. And then he may have to go chemical, biological. He may have to up to uh, battlefield tactical nuclear. I doubt it. I hope not. But that would be the pathway to it if he starts losing support at home there has to be a way on the international stage where leaders adults in the room and joe biden find a way to let him save face tactical retreat with saving face that could involve and and zelensky said this the other day that they're not going to join nato okay that's all well and good There just, I think, has to be a little bit more, depending on how desperate Ukraine is. You give them the Danask region or you let them have uh, Crimea. You stop disputing Crimea, even though Ukraine was disputing Crimea the way that you might argue with your neighbor about who's responsible for leaves falling off a tree. Nobody's doing anything about it, unless you live next door to Rand Paul. Nobody's doing anything about it. So what does it matter? Ukraine was not actively invading Crimea, but you got to give Putin something if you want this to end. Now, I don't know that Ukraine necessarily wants this to end. Ukraine is, is not only doing well, much better than anybody thought in the actual acts of war, but they're doing so much better in the propaganda aspects of war than I think anybody expected them to. Zelensky is, you know, he can, comes out of the entertainment world and he knows how to manipulate people. Damn, he, he fit right in in Hollywood. But uh, something has to be given. You have to kind of throw Vladimir Putin a bone. It doesn't even have to be a real bone. You can just come back with something that Putin can go to his people and say, all right, well, we've got it. Ukraine is not going into NATO And we get Crimea and the Russians who live there. And maybe Ukraine will pay for the ethnic Russians who live in these other disputed areas who desperately want to be a part of Russia to pay to move them to Russia. And there's your win when, realistically, we all know that he's retreating. It's not about us. It's not about what we know. It's not about the truth. It's about what he can do to save face in Russia. You got to give him something, and calling the pres calling Putin a war criminal severely limits the prospects of what you can offer. It really does because that means that you can't go to any more international summits, you can't really come to the u n You can't let a war criminal come to the u n and address the United Nations, you can really only go to Iran and Syria and China. If, in countries that you're in bed with if you're going to be labeled a war criminal. Joe Biden stupidly said, oh yeah, he's a war criminal after earlier in the day refusing to call Vladimir Putin a war criminal. let you know, was the medicine not kicking in earlier or did the medicine kick in late? Like I don't, I don't really know which it is. Doesn't really seem to matter. This is the reality we have to deal with. So Ginger Goebbels was asked about this, and she tried to downplay it. It uh, limited success, <laughs> I would say. Here's Jen Psaki. President Biden directly labeled Putin a quote war criminal had something changed in the administration's assessment. Uh, What brought this new remark from the president today? I think the president was, the president's remarks speak for themselves. Uh, He was speaking from his heart and speaking from what he's seen on television, which is barbaric actions by a brutal dictator uh, through his invasion of a foreign country. Uh, There is a legal process that continues to, is underway, continues to be underway at the State Department. Uh, That's a process that that they would have any updates on. Yeah, she's... uh... Trying to have her cake and eat it too. It's, he, he was speaking from his heart. He's not a, not a war criminal, war criminal. Just, you know, one of the run of the mill war criminals you might uh, come across in the, the mall on a Saturday afternoon. He's speaking in his heart, he's a war criminal, but in reality, he's ready to work with him should he need to. What the hell does that mean? When the president president doesn't get to go speaking as not president, you're the president of the United States all the time you're sitting on the toilet you're the president of the united states this was a thing that a lot of people had a problem with donald trump is his tweets contradicted a lot of his administration's official actions he never seemed to fully grasp that he was president all the time because he was used to being donald trump all the time and you don't get to turn being president of the united states off you don't go all right well we're going for a long weekend Mike Pence, you've got this. I'm now going to go and uh, complain about Canada or something. It just doesn't work that way. You're always president. You can't just say, well, he's a war criminal, but he wasn't speaking in his capacity as president of the United States. He was speaking in his capacity as somebody speaking from their heart. Doesn't work that way, dude. So they're trying to backpedal that. I hope it kind of works because it was a really stupid statement. You don't have to. There are some questions you just don't have to answer. Joe Biden does this all the time. It's what's really weird about Joe Biden. Is, I wish Donald Trump had recognized that you don't have to talk to the press every day and you don't have to answer every question that they ask. You'd be better served most times if you heard a question from Jim Acosta and you just say, that's a really dumb question. I'm not going to talk about it. And then you go on to the next person. That would have illustrated the point without getting into an argument back and forth are you trying to answer a really stupid question in the hopes of making the person who asked it look dumber than them asking the question already did joe biden walks away from most questions no matter how legitimate they are and then sometimes doesn't seemingly randomly doesn't and if you see the video of joe biden answering the question about whether or not vladimir putin is a war criminal Something really weird happens. I don't know who this person is. But there is somebody next to the president of the United States. And he goes, what did you say? Oh, it was a work." Yeah, I think he is. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. And Biden wraps up. It's a very short answer. And he turns around. And some guy kind of, the way that, like, visiting angels would usher somebody back to their room. He puts his arm around him low, not, you know, not high up on the shoulder or anything. So he's trying to kind of conceal it. It's low down by the waist, puts his arm around him like, come on, let's go. Let's move along. Now you can, I've worked in politics. I've worked with politicians and I've worked with politicians who have motor mouths when it comes to being around the press and you sit there and you go, we got to go, we got a schedule, we got this, that, and the other thing, but you don't lay hands on them. You don't go up and grab them by the elbow and say, "Senator, we're we've only got five minutes to get ten minutes away. You're going to be late. It's very rude. You don't do that. That's why most of these people are late all the time, uh, actually. But you just don't do that. These are adults. These are people who are elected. You're you're nobody. You're not elected." I disagreed with my boss a lot. He listened to me. We uh, debated and discussed. He was all he has had an open-door policy, and uh, every once in a while, I was able to convince him around my way of thinking, particularly on health care. But on uh, other issues, I, I wasn't. My job as press secretary was to sell whatever he decided, because he was the boss. He was elected. Uh, I wasn't. Nobody elected me to anything. And whoever this guy was who was shepherding the president of the United States out of the room is very bizarre to see. It was actually kind of jarring for me to see. Now, maybe there's an innocent explanation for it, but it just seemed weird that Joe Biden's talking to a reporter and he kind of turns and there are a whole bunch of people in the room. And this guy seems to want to make sure that Joe doesn't talk to any of them, puts his arm around him to kind of go this way, buddy. Come on, come with me stop asking questions. Maybe this is the guy that Joe's always talking about and said, well, they don't want me to take questions or I'm going to get in trouble. Maybe you get in trouble with this guy. I don't know who this guy is. I find it kind of curious that this guy is, though. I'm going to shift it up here and talk a little bit about, uh, well, we'll get to the Cuomo brothers in a second. Good Lord, to talk about something that won't go away. Uh, (laughs) the, The pair on these pair. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Because the um, the Hunter Biden laptop story has finally, finally been acknowledged as true. Not by Hunter Biden, not by Joe Biden. Nobody's really asked anything of, of them. But by the, none other than the New York Times. The New York Times is after... Two years of ignoring it, mostly. Two years of trying to squelch it, to silence it, to do all of those things, that uh, to do anything to protect Joe Biden. The New York Times finally comes out and acknowledges that, oh yeah, okay, by the way, the uh, laptop story is true, true, true. In a report today, Entitled Hunter Biden Paid Tax Bill, but Broad Federal Investigation Continues. It took three New York Times reporters to write that puppy. In there, they write People familiar with the investigation said prosecutors had examined emails between Mr. Biden, Mr. Archer, one of his business partners, and others about Burisma and other foreign business activity. Those emails were obtained by the New York Times from a cache of files that appears to have come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Biden in a Delaware repair shop. The email and others in the cache were authenticated by people familiar with them and with the investigation. Now, what's weird is those people validated those emails a long time ago. A long, long time ago. Two years ago. In fact, right after the uh, the laptop was discovered. Remember Tony Bobulinski? Actually, there was nobody. I've never seen a report anywhere where someone involved in the laptop story has questioned the validity of those emails. I've seen Hunter Biden go, "Well, it might be my laptop. It might not be. I don't know. I leave laptops all over the place. I, I leave." pregnant strippers everywhere I go, and laptops. It's just one of those things that I do. And, you know, richer crack dealers. Those are the things. I'm the Johnny Appleseed in pregnant strippers, richer crack dealers, and laptops as I walk throughout the country. That's it. That's the only thing. But now the New York Times is saying, oh, yeah, by the way, that stuff was real. Now, if we get in the Wayback Machine, this story broke in October of 2020. There were fifty quote unquote national security experts national security experts who signed a letter to the media, which was dutifully reported by the media and used as a weapon by the Democrats and by the media to make sure that the New York Post original story didn't see the light of day. It set out and made uh, it made Twitter and it was they didn't make them. They were looking for cover and it gave Twitter and Facebook the cover they desperately wanted to say they don't they're blocking the story to the New York Post because it's so horrible and it's such wrong, it's Russian disinformation. So on October nineteenth, twenty twenty, in a letter entitled Public Statement on Hunter Biden's emails, these so called national security experts said, we are all individuals who devoted significant portions of our lives to national security. Some of us served in senior positions in policy departments and agencies, and some of us served in senior positions in the intelligence community. Some of us were political appointees and some of us were career officials, as though career officials somehow aren't also political hacks. Many of us worked for presidents of both political parties. We are also individuals who see Russia as one of our nation's primary adversaries. The 1980s called they want their foreign policy back. All of us have an understanding of the wide range of Russian overt and covert activities that undermine U.S. national security. And some of us knowing Russian behavior intimately as we worked to defend our nation against it for a career. A few of us worked against Russian information operations in the United States in the last several years. They go on to talk about how this laptop and those emails have all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Now, those emails, every time somebody has bothered to look at them, and it hasn't been often, they have been validated now, even up to and including the New York Times. Now, who signed this pathetic letter? James Clapper, CNN contributor. Michael Hayden, CNN contributor, former director of CIA, former director of national intelligence. Leon Panetta, former director of CIA, former director or former secretary of defense. John Brennan, former director of the CIA. And then there's more people you have likely never heard of. But 50 of them in all signed this letter saying this is Russian disinformation. Every single one of them was wrong. Not a single one of them, most of them have cable news contracts or high-paid consulting gigs. Not a single one of them will pay a professional price or a political price at all in any way, shape, or form for this obvious lie. It was an obvious lie. Not, they didn't try to validate it. They didn't look into any of these emails and see was well, there any truth to it. No, they simply declared it to be Russian disinformation and went about their business. Went back to their cable news gigs, knowing full well that they had given cover to Joe Biden, expressly, and his crack-addicted son. Saying, "No, well now they're covered. Now we don't have to worry about that." It's disgusting. So as we look at that, it's noteworthy that the New York Times has finally, finally gotten around to admitting that the New York Post had this story dead to rights. Even the New York Post is having fun with it. New York Post today writes a comprehensive report about the ongoing federal probe into Hunter Biden's tax filings published by the New York Times on Wednesday night confirmed the existence of the first son's infamous laptop. In October 2020, the Post exclusively reported on the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop that he ditched at a Delaware repair shop in April of 2019. That means that he's been smoking crack for a long time and smoking crack recently. And he's the smartest guy Joe Biden knows. That kind of tells you something. It's actually believable, but it's because Joe Biden rolls in circles where he thinks he's smart. The laptop's hard drive contained a trove of emails, text messages, photos, and financial documents between Hunter Biden, his family, and business associates, detailing how the president's son used his political leverage in his overseas business dealings. As part of their investigation into Hunter Biden, the Times reports Federal prosecutors have looked into emails between the first son and his former business associates that were recovered from the laptop. Now, what's amazing, the New York Times is sort of on the case, sort of on the case. It sounds like prosecutors are sort of on the case. They can't drop it. There's far too much out there that they can't just go. "Eh, Nothing, nothing to see here. They can't dismiss it out of hand. So they have to drag their feet How long does it take to look into emails saying, you know, 20% for the big guy and look at the financials that the Biden family have reported? How long does that take? I feel like I, with a couple of forensic accountants, could get that in a long weekend. But no, they didn't even actually really make the story about that. It's just a broad federal investigation. The New York Times story by three award-winning journalists said, in the year after he disclosed a federal investigation into his tax affairs in late 2020, President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, paid off a significant tax liability, even as a grand jury continued to gather evidence in a wide ranging examination of his international business dealings, according to people familiar with the case. Now, if you remember Hunter Biden and his so called tax dealings, he paid off like a half million dollars in taxes while simultaneously claiming in a paternity suit against the stripper who he'd had a kid with that Joe Biden refuses to acknowledge. He was uh, he said he was poor and he couldn't afford to pay child support. Now how do you come up with a half million bucks if you're destitute and can't pay child support? This was before he discovered his uh, talent for paint by numbers. By the way, Mr. Biden's failure to pay all his taxes has been a focus of the ongoing Justice Department investigation. See, it's not about corruption, it's not about influence peddling, it's soft peddled. His failure to pay all of his taxes, meaning he's paid a lot of his taxes. He just somehow moved the decimal point. Remember Barack Obama's Treasury Secretary, Timothy Geithner, said, oh, I hit the wrong button on TurboTax. Sorry about that. Liberals can't do taxes, apparently. While wiping out his liability does not preclude criminal charges against him, the payment could make it harder for prosecutors to win a conviction or a long sentence for tax-related offensive according, offenses, according to tax law experts, since juries and judges tend to be more sympathetic to defendants who have paid their bills. <laughs> now, we're in the third paragraph, they get to acknowledge some other things going on here. But Mr. Biden's taxes are just one element of the broader investigation, stemming from work he did around the world. What work? What work? What did he do? They say they build him up. Hunter Biden is a Yale-educated lawyer. Oh, a Yale-educated lawyer who has no experience and expertise whatsoever in oil and gas, but was paid a fortune by Burisma, has no particular expertise in railroad policy, but was on the board of Amtrak, has no background in finance, but was on the board of a major credit card company. I forget which one. Uh, MBNA, I think. But he was on a board of a major credit card company uh, just out of college, just out of uh, law school, because his dad was the senator from credit card. They don't go into, hey, he's got no no business (laughs) being associated with these things. Just like he was involved in international business with no expertise whatsoever uh hunter biden is a yale educated lawyer his professional life has intersected with his father's public service including work as a registered lobbyist for domestic interests and while his father was vice president pursuing deals and clients in asia and europe isn't that amazing it just glossed over all the influence peddling with that one sentence one sentence, and it's like, boom, man. Yeah, he didn't really have a whole lot going on, but he he, he worked on international business. Did he somehow have a, a, a tract of study of law at Yale that dealt explicitly with international business? No, he didn't. And it's not as though he's over there investing in companies and starting companies and working with startups. He's getting truckloads of money flung at him by existing businesses that don't need his so-called expertise, and actually don't. He attended, I think, what, two meetings a year as a board member of Burisma? But boy howdy, when uh, those guys came to town, they weirdly got dinner with Daddy. Just a total coincidence. It's a total and complete scam. The New York Times is just glossing it over. This New York Times story continues. It's lovely. It's lovely lovely, lovely, lovely. It's not clear whether the criminal probe is focused solely on Hunter Biden or if he is among a group of individuals and companies being scrutinized. Prosecutors have also asked about possible FARA, the Foreign Agent Registration Act, violations by Washington consulting firm Blue Star Strategies, which worked for the Ukrainian energy company Burisma in an arrangement that Mr. Biden helped broker. Hunter Biden is he's all about the money. Just come through and give me the money. Now, this is just, again, a toss-in line, a toss-away line from the New York Times. The elder Mr. Biden now oversees the Justice Department that is carrying out the investigation. And Hunter Biden, who in recent years has pursued a career as a painter. (laughs) They just, yeah, people are paying a ton of money for his paint-by-numbers crap uh, uh, because his dad's president that's it has acknowledged serious drug addiction and other problems during the period when he was seeking international business while dealing with the illness the illness being drug addiction and the death of his brother Bo. that's a hell of a way to put Hunter biden's life at that time hunter biden was screwing around on his wife he left his wife for his sister-in-law his brother's widow yeah let that sink in that's not creepy or weird at all. He left. He, he was all this time. He was a crack smoking junkie, and while pursuing international business, international now, who in their right mind, if this guy's name were were John Doe or anything other than some Democrat politician's kids, would give somebody who is in their own acknowledgement serious addiction problems. Would give them a ton of money. Would hire them to do anything. Now, he wasn't hired to do any work. All the jobs that he got was, uh, here, invest this money. Here's a billion and a half dollars. Play with it. You get 3%. All right? Make sure you kick back 10 to the big guy and we're all good. Or, here, sit on the board of Burisma and collect this huge chunk of money every month. We'll pay you $80,000, 87000 whatever it was, per month. That was his job, to be Hunter Biden. Nobody hired him. Nobody looked at him and said, "Guy, I don't know if you know anybody who smokes crack or knew anybody, know anybody who used to smoke crack or was ever around somebody who's smoking crack. You can, I don't know if you would tell that it's crack, but you'll definitely know that there's something going on with them, especially if they're doing it as often and as vigorously as Hunter was in the videos, he, for some weird reason, decided to film of himself smoking crack and being with prostitutes. The dueling with the death of his brother. Uh, he dealt with the death of his brother by sleeping with his brother's wife. And how long did that, I mean, Oedipus has nothing on this family. How long had that been festering where he's like, finally I get the opportunity to? Meanwhile, while he's with his brother's widow and left his wife and kids. Uh, he then is out banging every stripper he can get his hands on and going to prostitutes, too. And thats I mean, if you're going to have to wrestle with grief, that's the way you want to wrestle with grief, right? You don't want to sit around and just wallow and feel awful and horrible and cry and, and all the time. You want to smoke a lot of crack and sleep with a lot of good-looking strippers. You might even say... That somebody like that was kind of down that path before then. Maybe Bo's death was a uh, an excuse, a convenient excuse, because I've yet to see anybody say that, wow, well, right before Bo died, though, up until that moment, that Hunter was nothing but a gentleman. He was a wonderful, loving father and a, a stellar businessman. No, he's always been a degenerate. It tells you something about the Biden family that they both use Bo's death. Joe and Hunter use Bo's death f- for political gain. Hunt, Bo, Joe uses it. Oh, I can't. Since Hunter dies. Bo died. It's terrible. And Hunter uses it to cover up his crack addiction. One last quick thought about this Hunter Biden garbage and <clears throat> this Hunter Biden story in the New York Times and how they're sugarcoating, soft peddling everything in it. And everything we know. This normally, under normal circumstances, in a sane, rational world, the Hunter Biden story would be seen as a golden opportunity. Sorry, a gold is swallowed wrong. Would be seen as a golden opportunity for journalists to make a name for themselves for them to win awards, win genuine awards for reporting. like There is a lot there. How much, we don't know. We don't know the extent to which uh, the corruption in the Biden family goes, but we, we know it goes pretty damn deep. Under normal circumstances and normal times, this is something that would be pursued doggedly. There may be nothing there. It might be a dry well, but there's, there's definite reasons to believe that there's something there. And instead, the New York Times just kind of glosses over most of it. The New York Times ignores most of the realities of what goes on, it, what, what is on that laptop. They clearly have the laptop. The laptop's been everywhere for two years there is some serious damning things even if it's just you know Joe Biden says that Hunter Biden is the smartest man he's ever seen before and yet there is picture upon picture of him smoking crack and uh, involved in kinky s&m with prostitutes you know how smart is that guy you might want to ask that question they don't even go there they just kind of acknowledge casually oh yeah there's this laptop blah 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 but don't worry don't worry you got to love the way that they're just kind of... Gloss- it's been two years. You sit there and you go, well, what the hell's taken so long? Investigators have examined Mr. Biden's relationship with interests in Kazakhstan, a Chinese energy conglomerate, and Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, according to people familiar with the investigation. <laughs> now, what's weird is if you wait long enough... And you have to wait long enough. But if you wait long enough, all of the allegations made by you know sane, rational Republicans that were poo-pooed immediately upon their uh, you know acknowledged as soon as they came out of a Republican's mouth, they said, "Well, this is ridiculous," are now proving to be true, or at least suspicious enough that prosecutors, federal prosecutors, should look into it. We can take bets on what we think the odds of the biden justice department even though the president has sworn to keep a hands-off approach to this we can uh, we can bet on how honest and dogged that pursuit will be i would say it wouldn't be at all but that's just me but still it is very interesting that we're watching these sorts of things unfold and the new york times doesn't seem to have a whole hell of a lot of interest in it That's the weirdest part. There should be a fight to try to be the one who breaks the story, even if it's just a matter of clearing, clearing Hunter Biden. If that's where the facts lead, then clear Hunter Biden. My God, you would be in line for a presidential medal of freedom if you found the smoking gun that clears Hunter Biden. said, You know what? He really was like perhaps the most honest businessman in all of America. You'd get a hero's welcome. You'd be you get a book deal for six, seven figures, no question about it. But no one in that profession seems to, to care. <laughs> no one in that it's, the casually the times again. Over the last two years, federal prosecutors in Delaware have issued scores of subpoenas for documents related to Hunter Biden's foreign work and for bank accounts linked to him and his associates including two formerly close business partners, Eric Schwerin and Devin Archer, according to people familiar with the investigation. Now, people in the New York Times who subscribe to the New York Times for whom the New York Times is the Bible have to be scratching their heads going, what is all this, these names? i never heard them before. <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird. It's just weird. And then you get the paragraph about the uh, the laptop And they're wondering whether or not they should have registered, Archer and uh, Biden, should have registered as foreign agents. Now, if that sounds familiar, the FARA sounds familiar, it's because that is what, uh, what's his face, Uh, Paul Manafort was convicted of. Remember Paul Manafort? He was chairman of Donald Trump's 2016 campaign for about 20 minutes. And they found out that he had some overseas business dealings. And they said, oh, he's, he didn't register as a foreign agent. And they went after him. And they got him on that and on tax evasion. They threw the book at him. They wanted him to spend the rest of his life in jail and sentenced him to to way longer than, you know, you want to talk about victimless crimes. There are no victims in Paul Manafort's crimes. Uh, and he was sentenced to years i think it was like nine years in jail whereas there are victims and societal victims of what jesse smollett did and he he got 20 minutes in a holding cell and he was out and now they're sitting there going oh geez the New York Times but there has been a debate inside the justice department over whether available evidence proves that Mr. Biden intended to violate FARA the foreign agent registration act gee he did he did he intend did he intend to break the law when he broke the law uh, it was my understanding that ignorance of the law was in no way a defense of the law but that's just me that's my understanding i'm Amer- i'm not you know, my parents are not wealthy, connected politicos. So, you know, the laws apply to me as they apply to you. They don't apply to the kids of the powerful that way. So there's a debate in the Justice Department whether Hunter intended to violate Ferra which the government must prove in order to secure a criminal conviction. The prosecutors have discussed approaching potential FARA violations as a civil matter, which would require Mr. Biden to register retroactively as a federal agent, but would avoid a criminal charge, according to people familiar with the case. My God, they're arguing inside the Justice Department. How about we just bastardize this law this way? Will that change things? Will that allow us then to avoid having to prosecute Hunter Biden? <laughs> Such a resolution could complicate a potential money laundering case, since money laundering is typically charged in connection with another crime. Oh, no, well, we had to get him to say retroactively that he was a federal agent and made it a civil matter. Which, unfortunately, got rid of all the money laundering possibilities. But hey, at least we got justice. He paid a small fine on top of the millions and dollars he, hand over fist, managed to bilk out of these companies. So, lesson learned, justice served, moving on, said the president. (laughs) Oh, they're different from us. They're better than us, ladies and gentlemen. Just ask them. This is the smartest man Joe Biden has ever met in his life. It's the smartest man Joe Biden knows. He went to Yale Law School, after all. My God, he went to Yale Law School. Speaking of Yale Law School, this story from the Washington Free Beacon. If you want to really look into the future, if we do not stamp out and beat down these leftists, It's a look into the future because the people who go to Yale and Harvard and Brown and blah, 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 blah. They end up a higher percentage in positions of power, not just elected officials, but in appointed positions and career positions in our government. So these piles of human garbage will, some of them, end up being the power elite that one day will try to run this country. Headline: Washington Free Beacon. Hundreds of Yale law students disrupt bipartisan free speech event. Huh. Nearly two-thirds of student body sign letter in support of rowdy protest. More than 100 students at Yale Law School attempted to shout down a bipartisan panel on civil liberties, intimidating attendees and causing so much chaos that police were eventually called to escort panelists out of the building rather than the protesters you notice that the police come and instead of getting the people who are responsible for the disruption the people who are engaging in the illegal activity and the harassment they take the victims of it and say all right we can we can escort you safely out of the building we will aid the mob in denying you your first amendment right to speak The March 10th panel, which was hosted by Yale Federalist Society, featured Monica Miller of the Progressive American Humanist Association and Kristen Wagoner of the Alliance Defending Freedom, a conservative nonprofit that promotes religious liberty. Both groups had taken the same side in a 2021 Supreme Court case involving legal remedies for First Amendment violations. The purpose of the panel, a member of the Federalist Society said, was to illustrate that a liberal atheist and a conservative Christian could find common ground on free speech issues, while the little Nazis whose parents are paying through the rear end to Yale Law School could not. Quote, it was pretty much the most innocuous thing you could talk about, he added. That didn't stop nearly 120 student protesters from crowding the event. When a professor at the law school, Kate Stiff, began to introduce Wagner, the protesters who outnumbered the audience members rose in unison holding signs that attacked the ADF. The nonprofit has argued and won several Supreme Court cases establishing religious exemptions from civil rights laws, most famously Masterpiece Cake Shop versus the Colorado Civil Rights Commission. The bake me a cake as fast as you can case. As soon as they stood up, the protesters began antagonizing members of the Federalist Society, forcing Stith to pause her remarks. One protester told a member of the conservative group she would literally, quote, fight you, B-word, according to audio obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. With the fracas intensifying, Sith reminded students of Yale's free speech policies, which bar any protest that, quote, interferes with the speaker's ability to be heard and of community members to listen, end quote. When the protesters heckled her in response, several with their middle fingers raised, she told them to grow up, according to the video. The comment elicited jeers from the protesters who began shouting at the panelists and insisting that the disturbance was free speech. This is a problem because the administration, at least as of now, there's FUs, there's F-bombs. So far, the, uh, the administration has not really said anything about this situation. They are on the side of the terrorists. And it's in a situation like this that realistically, and I'm sitting here trying to think of the best way to put this. Realistically, they say violence is never the answer. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. What these people are doing is is threatening violence. There is a definite case that if I were there and you got 110 people yelling at you and threatening you, and we'll kick your butt and we'll do this and we'll do that, and you need to shut up, I would feel threatened. I would feel threatened, and when you feel threatened, that is when physical violence is justified to defend yourself. You don't have to have been punched to feel as though you're about to be punched. Self-defense laws do exist. I'm not advocating it. I'm just pointing out that at one of these things, at some point, an audience is going to be packed with people who are not there to sit quietly and listen to the, uh, the panel discussion. They are there specifically to mix it up with the left-wing mob. And it won't be pretty for the left-wing mob because they are used to getting their way simply by crying, whining, pissing, and moaning. So once somebody starts putting fists against the side of their faces, things will change dramatically. All of those lessons that they have learned in their posh suburban lives, and make no mistake, that's who goes to Yale, the children of the wealthy. All of those lessons will go the way of the dodo. Once you start getting your nose broken, suddenly, they'll go, oh my goodness, what has happened here? What kind of violence have we wrought? Meanwhile, they will probably start throwing things at panelists, and it probably won't happen until things are thrown at panelists. Or God forbid somebody brings a gun, you won't let somebody leave a room because they think wrong. Well, if they're armed to protect themselves, they're going to leave that room you're going to leave that room, too. It's just a matter of how you're going to leave that room. If the administrations of these universities don't step up and enforce their own policies, if they don't suspend a good chunk of these little a-holes, if not all of them, then it's only going to escalate, and the blood will be on their hands, and all the civil lawsuits in the world are going to ruin these places. And quite frankly i would like that i would love to see these places have to dip into and liquidate their endowments to pay off civil cases for violating the rights of american citizens by simply refusing to enforce that which they put in place the policies they put in place there's a special place in hell for these leftists and uh Whenever they get there, I'm happy with it. But these universities that are enabling it, these factories that are churning out these little Nazis, they need to go first. Let's make that happen. Uh, before we uh, run out of time here, I just want to give you the COVID numbers when I remember to, uh, to give them. And it's one of those days where you, you're you sitting there and you're looking and you're going, this doesn't make any sense. Yesterday was the two-year anniversary of 15 days to, to slow the spread. Just 15 days. Remember that? Like a, like a prolonged slumber party. It was going to be awesome. And then it didn't work. Then it didn't work. Um Because it was stupid. It was never going to work. It actually probably exacerbated things for a lot of people, particularly people living in urban areas and in condos and apartment buildings and what have you. But that's beside the point. So much of what government has insisted we do has been wildly stupid. But now they're collecting haphazard data. States reporting randomly rather than every day. So the first set of numbers for last year are when they were actually reporting every day, whereas the numbers for this year are when some states are reporting every day, some states are reporting every other day. Some states are reporting once a week. While It's as if everybody got together and said, what can we do to make this all worthless? I've got an idea. But anyway, you can glean some things from it. Last year on uh, this day, I guess it's the day before this day, 54,531 new cases of COVID-19 one year ago in 2021. This year, yesterday, 39,006. Okay, that's good. 15,000 fewer-ish, ballparking it, 15,000 fewer cases. That's good, that's good. Deaths, this is where it gets a little bizarre. Deaths, 1,245 a year ago with 54,000 cases announced on just that day the existing cases whatever you you know you're smart you know what I'm talking about uh yesterday 2012 deaths attributed to covid now is that because even though fewer people 15,000 fewer people new cases were announced that somehow the cases that existed before those 15,000 fewer the 39,000 new cases were more severe or is it because States waited and this is three or four days worth of data or five or seven days worth of data. We don't know. This is why you should never shift data collection in midstream. This is why you should not sit there and go, hey, maybe we can do this, maybe we can do that. How about you just do what you do? How about you do it consistently? How about you do it consistently? And you can't. You can't when you're doing this haphazardly. When your objective is anything other than the truth, and the data collectors, the data reporters have very little interest in the truth, they all have political agendas, then the truth just kind of gets lost in the shuffle, and you can end up with two entirely different types of worldviews. You can watch CNN and think, my God, there's something, there's a different planet. You can watch MSNBC sometimes and think that's a different planet from even CNN, and then you watch Fox News, and you're like, that's a, an alternate universe. I don't even know what the hell is going on. And they're all working off, supposedly, the same set of information, the same set of data. Society, and it doesn't bode well long-term for society. When you just, Somebody's going to have to step up, and we're going to have to vote some people out of office, and we're going to have to make some um, serious adjustments to our leadership as a society. It's going to cause, it's mostly going to have to require liberals to sort of take some steps um, to change who they are and what they do and just acknowledge it and go, you know what, Democrats, I vote for this stuff, but I recognize that uh, the so-called don't say gay bill isn't really anything to do with gay, don't say gay. The uh, Orlando Sun-Sentinel had an editorial yesterday about oh, how the so-called don't say gay, no legitimate... Uh, they wanted to get... Uh, what's uh, uh, what's his name? Ron DeSantis' spokeswoman, Christina Peshaw, I think her name is. They wanted to get her fired because that's how newspapers react, I guess. And they said no legitimate governor would... Uh, put up with what she's been saying about the so-called don't say gay bill. And I said, no legitimate news organization would write, use the phrase so-called don't say, or the don't say gay bill, even with the so-called qualifier before it. It just wouldn't. Has nothing to do with that. It means... Keep sexual orientation talk away from kindergartners, first graders, second graders, and third graders. Why? Because they're kids. Let them be kids. They're learning to uh, communicate. They're learning to color. They're learning the letters. They're learning to read. That's what they need to focus on. Not the rainbow of genders, these leftist mutants insist. They don't need a picture of... You know, Rachel Levine in their classroom, the way that the North Koreans have pictures of all the Kim family in their their every room of their house. We don't need that kind of crap. We need kids to be left alone for one, once in a while. huh? How about that? Just every once in a while, leave the damn kids alone. Instead, our elites are focusing on crap that means nothing. A new YouGov survey has a nice illustration the disconnect between what people think and reality and reality and it's because in no small part is due to media and hollywood media and hollywood that's it that's how you get this level of disconnect between reality and what people think the american public this is how many people think that the American public in America, in the United States, that households have an income of over $1 million. The estimate from the general population is 20%. 20% of the uh, the people, the average American think 20% of the population has an income over a million dollars. The true number is 0%. It's a very small percentage of people are transgender. Now, you would get this impression because why? Because you're watching television. Because you're watching news, and every time some tranny gets a, a cold, like, oh my god, it's a hate crime. And oh my god, it's terrible, it's terrible. They never tell you about that. Uh, most of those transgender crimes, those murders. So disproportionately, there's like a dozen here, disproportionately murdered. Horrible, horrible, horrible. We need a black trans lives matter. And then you look up into the story, and it involves drugs and and, or prostitution. You go, wait a second, there might be something more at play here than you're letting on. And they're not allowed to do that. But if you watched popular culture, you would think a huge percentage of the American population, of the world population, is trans. And the YouGov survey found that the American public thinks that 21% of the population is trans. Uh, Not for lack of trying on behalf of Democrats. That's kind of why you don't want them telling first graders about sexual orientation. You don't want them to plant ideas and groom people. They say 21%. The actual number is 1%. Have a household income over a half million dollars? The American public thinks that 26% of the country has an income of over a half a million dollars in household. Real number, 1%. Muslims. 27%, 27%, they think. Uh, 27% of the population is Muslim. The actual number, 1%. <laughs> how, how do you get this massive disconnect? Well, it has to do with the amount of media coverage that you get. If you were watching, let's see, um, are gay or lesbian, the estimate in a general survey of the American public is that 30% of the population is gay or lesbian. Wouldn't really bode too well for the future of the population if that were the case. The real number is 3%. 3%. Now you get that impression how? You get that impression by watching television. Think of a television show on broadcast networks that doesn't have a gay character. And it's not just, oh, they happen to be gay. That it's a gay character, usually sassy and in your face. They're everywhere. They win awards. Oh, my goodness. It's so brave for this actor to take this role. So courageous. So and you think, my God, half the country's gay, not anywhere near the truth. But then Hollywood isn't interested in the truth. They're interested in shaping minds. These numbers are exactly what the left wants, which is exactly why the left does what they do. It's not by accident. So other disconnection, yeah, because you'd think, uh, you know, half the country's gay. Everybody's gay. You'd wonder, gee, am I gay? There's so many gay people in this country on television. It must be. But no, the population of the country that's gay is 3%, even though the American public think it's 30%. are atheists, 3%, and the American public think it's 33%. Why? Because when you see anybody on television, they're always atheists. They always are. Anybody who's religious is portrayed as some sort of lunatic, and they're going up against the sane, atheist people who are trying to defend the world from those horrible, horrible people. Are bisexual. People think it's 29%. The number is allegedly 4%. I'd say that's pretty high. It's, but to me, bisexuals are just people who you make up your mind. There's a huge difference. You, you're not into both. I don't think there's any way you're into both. You just You just are selfish and want to... Enjoy whatever. Our members of a union? This one cracks me up. Our members of a union? The public thinks 36% of the American public are members of a union. 36%. We're all Norma Rays out here, and realistically, it's four, four percent. Vegetarians, thirty. They think thirty percent. I wish it was thirty percent. Why? Because then the meat would, prices would go down. Thirty. The real number is five percent. Our Asian, 29% people think it is. It's 6% of the population. Is this why Democrats are beating the hell out of Asians? They think there's too many of them in this country. They're, they're mad. They think that there are too many of them in, uh, in the good schools. or doing too well in school. Sick people. They think that 40% of the public is in the military. I don't know where you get that number. Think about it. How many people do you know in the military or active in the military right now? Now Think about veterans, you expand it a little bit more and you get a much wider net, but it's 40% of the people you know, the actual number is 6%. This is kind of cracks me up. Uh, and it's a testament to how, men, how things are covered. Again, this is the power of the media. 30% is the estimate of the population of the United States of America who live in New York City. Let me repeat that because it's kind of funny. The American public writ large believe that 30% of the American population live in New York City. The real number is 3%. 3%. But you you know every TV every other TV show they're either set in California, they're all filmed in Georgia, but they're for tax purposes, but they're all uh, set in New York or Los Angeles or vast majority of them. And so you, you're watching, you go, oh, New York City, man. Everybody, everybody lives in New York but me. Uh, no, no. A lot of people live in New York, 3% of the population, but not 30%. Now, it, live in California, same sort of thing, except actually more people live in California, is uh, 32%. People think 32% of the population live in California. The reality is 12%. Black are black american how many americans are black again judging by news coverage and popular culture television shows people think 41% of the united states is black real numbers 12% 12% they're being they've been lapped by hispanics and what's weird is there was a big story you know not that long ago when the number of hispanics in this country surpassed the number of blacks in this country and the American public only believes that the 30 per, 39% of the population is Hispanic instead of, uh, what was it, 41% for black. But the actual number is 17%. Own a gun. Liberals think everybody's packing heat except for them and their tea-sipping friends. the uh, The number that the public thinks is out there with a gun is 54%. Reality, 32%. 32% seems low to my mind, but okay. Have a household income over $100,000. That one actually got kind of close. The number is 38% is what people think, and the real number is 34%. But it is amazing, this disconnect. The further you go down, our Democrats, our Democrats, it's once more the illustration of... The media portrayal, you think, well, everybody must be a Democrat. Everybody must be a leftist. 51% is what they think. 51% of the reality, 42%. 42%. But the world that we live in is shaped by the media and by popular culture. You can sit there, and every time I write about popular culture... You sit there and go, why do we lose on so many of these battles? This is why we lose on so many of these battles because you can see the shaping of the American mind through the education, the breakdown in education, the bastardization of education, and the perversion of Hollywood. And I write something about, oh, the Oscars this year or a movie or whatever and a TV show, and inevitably, invariably, there's somebody in the comment section or somebody sends me an email going, I don't have cable. I don't pay attention to that. I haven't been to the movies since The Godfather, whatever. Whatever it is, they're very proud. I do not partake in that. And that's all well and good. It's your right to do. But you should recognize that if you want to know why conservatives are losing on so many fronts when seemingly they have popular support, that's a big part of the reason why, because you don't engage in popular culture. You can't communicate with people. You don't have to sit there and, and watch this stuff and love this stuff. But people are, you need to know what's coming down the pipe. Politics is downstream from culture. The culture matters. You're sitting there blindsided going, where did this stuff come from? Go back and watch television 10 years ago and you will see this so called you know bastardization, the over representation of various things and various groups of people in popular culture that's where the idea comes from, and then if, well, well, we need to do something about this the uh the country, oh my goodness, I told you about the guy at the beginning who was killed by police out in California. He's not covered. you'd think that a George Floyd was murdered. Every single day in America, just a guy minding his own business on his way to Bible study, murdered by police because of his skin color. That's popular culture. You find the reality is that someone like Edward Bronstein is much more common than a George Floyd. But Edward Bronstein is the wrong color. He doesn't count. And if it's not reported, you don't know it. It can't shape things. You can't change things. You're not paying attention. So you don't know how things are going. You get a perverted worldview. And then you vote in a different way. And people vote in different ways because of that perverted worldview. You don't have to engage in popular culture. But my God, you should be aware of it. Because you need to know so you're not blindsided by the next left-wing cultural push going, oh, my God, where did this come from? It came from television. It came from movies. It came from music. It came from all the things you proudly say you don't pay any attention to. You don't have to like it. You don't have to pay super attention to it. But be aware of it if you want to win in the future. All right, that's enough for today, ladies and gentlemen. I've already delayed you an hour and a half from your weekend. Start your weekend. Live your life. Live your dreams. I'm taking as I can because the kids got me sick, too. So you can kind of probably hear it in my voice. Anyway, I shall Trooper on, and I'll be ready, rip-roaring, ready to go to let it all friggin' go and fly out of my mouth at the Weekend F'n Review at patreon.com slash Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for subscribing to the Weekend and Review. And uh, we'll see you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend.